What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart will join us to preview the 2022 SEC football season. We'll get his thoughts on Georgia winning it all and who can threaten Georgia and Alabama this season. We'll also go around the conference as Tennessee and Vanderbilt hit the practice field for the start of fall camp. And we'll get you caught up on tons of recruiting news from the weekend. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start in Knoxville as Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Volunteers hitting the practice field for the first time on Sunday. Heupel speaking with the media about one of their potential big-name additions this offseason to that receiving core, and that's Brew McCoy, the transfer from USC. McCoy has yet to be cleared to play for the Vols as he needs a waiver from the NCAA after transferring from USC to Texas and then back to USC since beginning his college career in 2019. But Heupel said he is confident things are moving in the right direction. He said, we've been in contact with the people we need to, we feel good about where that is going. Brew is healthy, and he wants to compete at training camp. McCoy played six games for USC in 2020, recording 21 catches for 236 yards and two touchdowns. Now, also during his press conference Sunday, Hypo confirmed that running back Laneth Whitehead will be out the entire year with an upper body injury. Whitehead, uh, he said, will be out the entire year, but for the rest of the football team, we are pretty healthy. Whitehead ran 32 times for over 200 yards and two touchdowns as a redshirt freshman last year. He was expected to be one of the key backups to starter Jabari Small this fall. So big injury there for the Vols. Meanwhile, over in Nashville, Vanderbilt, they got a game in week zero of this season. So they opened fall camp this past weekend. Clark Lee says uh, year two. They're off to a, a better start with him running the program. He said, last year's first practice, it was alarming. We are way more comfortable with what the expectations are and the manner of which we practice and the mindset toward attacking things and doing hard things together. He said, I feel great about it. This was still practice one. Mistakes are mistakes. I expect that. We have a lot of young players that are getting folded in. And we have to be patient with their development. But uh, they said they are further along than they were a year ago, so... Will that mean more wins for Vanderbilt this year? We will see. Meanwhile, over at College Station, Anaya Smith will not be facing charges for his arrest earlier this month. Brazos County Attorney Earl Gray has confirmed he will not be prosecuting. Gray spoke with ESPN on the Texas A&M wide receivers' charges. He was charged with DWI after going 51 and a 35, and given a field sobriety test, officers determined he was intoxicated from that test. At the police station, Smith registered blood alcohol levels of 0.66 and 0.61. That's within the legal limit on the breathalyzer. Smith was also facing a marijuana charge. Gray explained that one. Uh, that one rolled joint is too small of an amount to attach to one person in a car with multiple occupants. None of the passengers claimed the joint. So this sounds like this is going to go away very quickly for Anaya Smith. And he'll just face some internal issues with uh, Jimbo Fisher 
on that front, but expects to be a key contributor once again for the Aggies at wide receiver this year. Meanwhile, in recruiting news, Nick Saban making a splash over the weekend in recruiting is running back Richard Young, five-star running back out of the state of Florida. He made his commitment to Alabama. He tweeted out, sweet home Alabama. Regarding Tuscaloosa, he's out of the state of Florida, 5'11", 200 pounds, rated the number two running back in this class. Number six uh, recruit from the state of Florida. He picked up 59 scholarship offers. And Alabama's got a loaded backfield. Just two weeks ago, Justice Haynes, a top 40 overall prospect, he committed to the Tide. And Alabama now has 16 commitments for their 2023 class, including a five-star safety Caleb Downs, who they picked up this week as or this past week as well. Meanwhile, over at LSU, Tyree Adams, six foot five, 285 pound, four-star offensive tackle, is committed to LSU. He's from the New Orleans area, ranked the number 20 offensive tackle in the country, number 13 recruit from the state of Louisiana. He's commitment number 17 for Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. Meanwhile, for Shane Beamer over at South Carolina, they picked up a couple of guys over the weekend. Marquis Anderson, a four-star offensive lineman, 6'5", 305 pounds from the state of South Carolina. So he's staying home. He's the uh, number five interior offensive lineman in the class of 2023. They also added three-star offensive lineman Jatavia Shivers from Georgia. He's the number 80 offensive tackle in this class. And they added a four-star edge rusher, Montek Rames, Six foot five, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Number forty-eight defensive lineman. He's the number four player hailing from the state of South Carolina in this class. And uh, Gamecocks now at fifteen players in this group, so uh, ranked twenty-sixth nationally currently for South Carolina. Meanwhile, Jimbo Fisher over Texas A&M. They're doing some work. They picked up the number sixty-seventh overall prospect in four-star safety slash running back Dalton Brooks. Chose the Aggies over the likes of Alabama and Auburn and Arkansas. He's rated the number five athlete in the country, as well as the number 12 prospect from the state of Texas. He's the fourth highest rated recruit in this group for the Aggies. They also picked up Anthony Hill Jr., five-star linebacker who was down to Texas and Texas A&M. He's from Denton, Texas, 6'2", 225 pounds. The number one linebacker in this class, number two, recruit out of the state of Texas. So big, big pickup and Anthony Hill Jr. heading to College Station. Meanwhile, Billy Napier over at Florida, they picked up a four-star wide receiver named Aiden Mizell, picked the Gators over the likes of Tennessee and Alabama. Six foot two, 180 pounds out of the Orlando area. Number 13 wide receiver in the class of 2023, the number 16 player from the state of Florida. Lane Kiffin over at Ole Miss. They've been recruiting the East Coast pretty hard. The Rebels added to their class. They picked up a three-star tight end out of the North Carolina area, Javante Connor, 6'4", 230 pounds. He's the number 42 tight end in this class. And on Sunday, they picked up four-star edge rusher Neo Avery, According to the rankings, he is the number 33 edge rusher, number six overall recruit from the state of Maryland. And they also added a Mississippi native in Jamarius Brown, six foot four, 265 pounds, rated a four star, the number 28 edge rusher in this class. And lastly, Mike Leach doing a bit of work this past weekend as they held their SummerSlam cookout. 
picking up three commitments on Friday night alone. Hattiesburg linebacker Tobias Hinton, Tupelo offensive tackle Zay Alexander, and Florence athlete Zakari Tillman all joining the Bulldogs on Friday night. So congrats to all the schools doing some work in the recruiting rankings over the weekend. This is that time where you get back at it, you're starting a fall camp, start solidifying this, these recruiting classes for the uh, early signing period coming in December. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, our conversation with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. That's coming your way in just a second. But look, as you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. You add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. LinkedIn Jobs, they help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster Do you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. You can post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Run along here from SEC Media Days. And look, it's not SEC Media Days without catching (laughs) up with the one and only Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, appearing on behalf of the Dodd Trophy this year. Look at you, big time, getting a, getting up here with the Dodd Trophy now. <laughs> well, I, I've been involved with the, with the Dodd Trophy for about 12 years now. Uh, it's been an honor to be a part of it uh, because it's a coaching. Uh, there are a lot of Coach of the Year awards, and they're good, and they, they do a lot for the game of college football. The Dodd Trophy is different in the sense that it, uh, scholarship, leadership, integrity are the three pillars of it, and uh, it take, takes into account the – the coach is not only one loss record, but what does he do in terms of community service? What does his team do academically? How engaged are they in the community? And so uh, it's a neat thing. Uh, we've come out with our watch list to look, and then I think there's six of the 20 coaches, six are from the SEC. Uh, Nick Saban has won the award, and n- numerous other SEC coaches have been uh, finalists for the award. And so it's a lot of fun, and I'm more than happy to speak up on the behalf of the Dodd Trophy. Well, it's it's always a great thing and always fun to talk about. It's always fun when we get these watch lists out because it means we're getting oh so close mm-hmm. to yet another college football season. Um, you are Mr. College Football, so I'll just ask you a general question to start. Where are you on the state of college football right now? Do you like where it's going, or is it just, look, we cannot like it, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I don't know that I can, I can say I like where it's going because change, and I'm not a big big deal. Change is inevitable. I understand that. I'm more concerned about where it's going. Now, the, uh, the name, image, likeness thing is going to be with us. It's going to take some time to work through it, several years, I think, to figure out what the guardrails can be uh, and, you know, Nick Saban said it today. I spoke to somebody yesterday, uh, a, a very high-profile coach. says, hey, we just want to know what the rules are. Coaches are, are, are creatures of habit. They want to know what the rules are, and then they'll, they'll play within the rules. There are no rules. We don't have any rules. And if we had any rules, who the heck is going to enforce them? Because there's no enforcement mechanism. Commissioner Sankey said it yesterday. You need a uniform set of guidelines so we can administer national championship level competition and national championships themselves 
And I know he's impatient, and I'm impatient to wait on what those to figure out what those guardrails are going to be. Yeah, I love the, the the word. You cannot use nil for inducement for recruiting. Well, you know who's to say? We had a win, hint, wink, wink, handshake, and then once he's on campus, mm-hmm. oh, here's an nil deal. Yep. Well, we didn't give it to him before he got here. It's like, you know, it's it's, it's semantics, you know, <laughs> and, and so and that uncertainty uh, is driving everybody nuts. But look, the other stuff, the the. We're going to expand the, the national championship playoff. We're going to do that. I'm all for that. I think more access is needed. Uh, the SEC is going to come up with a new scheduling model, and I think if the if the expand to a 12-team playoff, then you can have a conversation about having a nine-game conference schedule. Just I think fans would love that. The TV mm-hmm. partners would certainly love it. So college football has always gone through change, and they're going through change now. Uh, I just think we've got more change at once (laughs) than we probably ever had. Uh, But here's the irony of it all. For all the controversy, for all the change, for all the uncertainty, the game on the field that we watch every Saturday is is better than it's ever been. It is a great game, and every Saturday delivers. So I I feel good about college football, and these, as Nick Saban said, these issues are things that we're going to have to work through. Yeah, about – 15 years ago, uh, what was it, Ole Miss, Mississippi State? It was like a 6-3 to three game. Like, my God. Yeah, you're right. The product mm-hmm. on the field is much better now. Yeah. Uh, much more aesthetically pleasing. Um, you graduated from Georgia. You've been in Georgia a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, when you're a, a writer, you know, you, you, you're unbiased. But what was January like for you to see the Bulldogs finally bring home that national championship? Well, it was, it was neat because one of the things I decided to do, you know, age has its privileges. As you get older, you go, yeah, I'm going to do that. And so I've, I've got a, three guys who are fraternity brothers of mine. And every year we go to the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville and, and stay there for four or five days and play golf and tell lies about our misspent <laughs> youth and all that kind of stuff. And I told them, I said, boys, if Georgia gets to the SEC champ- – gets to the national championship game, we're going and – I'm going to sit in the stands with you and not watch the game from the press box. <laughs> so for the second time in 35 years, I watched a game in the stands, and it was an incredible experience. Uh, it, when, when it was all over, there are people hugging me. I had no idea who these people were. Uh, but, but it was somebody's grandmother. I know that. And then, <laughs> but it, it, was a, it was a lot of fun, and I felt r- r- very I was really happy for the Georgia people because the Georgia people have been waiting so long. They've come so close, and they were a really good football team. And uh, for all that to happen the way it did, that was a, that was a special night. You're a columnist for the media, guys. You have an article up, a few burning questions for the SEC this season. One of the big questions, uh, when is Oklahoma and Texas coming? Obviously, we know it's supposed to be 2025, but doesn't feel like they're going to come. I mean, it feels like they're going to come to some kind of agreement. It's going to happen earlier, right? I always look at this episode. It's like a divorce, okay? At first, you can't, have, you can't agree when you're going to get divorced and what the settlements are going to be. <laughs> Ultimately, all the lawyers and all the parties have to get into a room and come up with a number that everybody can live with. Thus far, they have not been able to do that. If, and if they don't do it, then 2025. I, I just got to believe the Big 12 with a new commissioner, they've got their new teams coming in uh, 2023, I guess Next it summer, is. Yeah. yeah, with their new teams coming in, I have to believe that the Big 12 wants to get on with their lives. Yeah. And, and, they, and, and the new commissioner said, um, 
you know, I'm open to discussions. Right. And then he adds, he adds the qualifying sentence, if it is in the best interests of the college. Translated, that means show me the money yeah. and you can leave tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I love, you know, Greg Sankey says, it's not up to me. It's like, well, you guys can kind of help with the cash flow here to get the buyout, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. More with Donnie Barnhart in just a second, but I need to remind you about our friends at BetOnline, BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, eSports, golf, whatever it is, they have got you covered. And BetOnline, they continue to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They've got you covered. Head on over to BetOnline today. Use your mobile device. Learn all about the action happening today. they got tons of stuff getting you ready for the start of college football season from uh, championship odds, playoff odds, Heisman odds, whatever it is. They got you covered over at BetOnline. Head on over to BetOnline.net. Check them out today. It is BetOnline, and it is where the game starts. Uh, Bryce Young, outstanding season last year, wins the Heisman Trophy, but loses the majority of his pass catchers. A lot of talent still on that roster, but wouldn't it be feasible to expect maybe he takes a little bit of a step back or no? Well, here's the the question. Number two, uh, will the offensive line be better? Okay, Bryce spent a little – he was phenomenal. He spent a lot of time running around, creating running lanes and <laughs> holes and all that kind of stuff. Does he have? Does the offensive line improve enough to where he doesn't have to do that? Yes, you lost two great, great receivers, but you're bringing in Jermaine Burton from Georgia, who's a great talent, and there are other guys on the roster. So I, I don't know if he's going to take a step back, but I do know this. I think Alabama would like to run the ball a little bit better. Yes. I think I think that's, a, that's, that's not a – I'm not – Stepping out on a limb too far to say that, and so the, his numbers may not his numbers just were just off the wall. It was unbelievable, uh, but I think they'd like to run the ball a little bit. Better. Georgia Tech fans seemed they weren't happy losing Jameer Gibbs. That that's a good thing. That means he's very good, right? He's really good. <laughs> that's a great great. You know, you know. Last year he picked up Toa Toa from from Tennessee. That that turned out to be a good pickup. Same thing with Gibbs. Gibbs is a quality quality running back now. Is, do you tell me if the offensive line is going to be better, good enough to block for him? Yeah. Well, no, that's that's the problem. And, and that's big, been my big everybody, – everybody who asked me about Alabama, I said my biggest concern is that offensive line. Pass protection was an issue. And then in the spring, pass protection was an issue. Right. So, you're right. I mean, maybe if they're better at run blocking, let's be a little bit more – I even said this. I said I could see role reversal. I could see Georgia last year uh, being what Alabama was last mm-hmm. year and, and sure. Alabama being what Georgia was. Where yep. Georgia – my goodness, in the spring game, like, they looked – that you get Eric Gilbert with Brock Bowers and all these other pieces. Mm-hmm. The offense looks like it's going to be even more high flying. Got the best tight end room in best tight end room in college football. I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, oh, by the way, Stetson Bennett <laughs> is back for his ninth year of eligibility. Uh, <laughs> he started with you, right? Yeah, room, absolutely. All room together. It, uh, amazing, and a guy who's been the MVP of a national semifinal and a national championship game, and people are still asking me whether or not he's going to make it through the season. No, look, I, look, I was speaking to a group of business college alumni from the University of Georgia, and we got to the Q&A, and the question, it was first, it's always the first or second question, if he stays healthy, if Stetson Bennett the fourth stays healthy, will he be Georgia's quarterback the entire year? I'm going, well, yeah. <laughs> 
What are you talking about, dude? Poor, poor guy. He's just going to be counted out in everything in life. People are always going to question him. Uh, after Bryce Young, in your mind, who are the next two best quarterbacks in the SEC? No, I think you got to put Stetson Bennett there. And uh, I, I like Will Levis. I like, I like what Hendon Hooker did. Hendon Hooker threw 31 touchdown passes and only three interceptions. You think you would think two or three more tip balls would have right. gone to the other team. <laughs> so he's obviously very, very accurate in where he's throwing the ball. But I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's those two guys, and uh, we'll see. You know, oh, oh, by the way, Will Rogers led the, pa- led the yeah. SEC in passing <laughs> last year. Uh, and uh, first of all, he's not, he's not here. That's number that's one. Weird, and yeah. number two, and nobody talks about him. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's kind of interesting. I caught up with him at the Manning Passing Academy a few weeks ago and just such a mature kid. And, you know, I even said, like, another year in the Mike Leach, Leach system, the, the numbers prove it out. Every quarterback gets better the yeah. more comfortable they get. So it's like I don't know how he gets better this year because the schedule's brutal, and he brought that up. But, like, yeah, yeah if, if I'm picking qu- my best quarterback, and he, I mean, like, I'm not going to run down a long list before I get to Will Rogers. He's, yeah. he's so good. No, there's, there's, there is no question. There's no question. If somebody plays spoiler on Georgia in the East, who would it be right now in your opinion? Probably Tennessee because Tennessee has a clear vision of what they want to do offensively. One of the things Josh Heupel did last year I thought was important was he established Tennessee's playing identity. We know who they are and what they want to be. Uh, they could get a little bit better on defense, I think. But right now, I have too many questions about the Florida roster. Uh, you know, if, if you can tell me that Anthony Richardson is going to be a great quarterback, then maybe he can make up for some of those other things. But I'm, I'm just – I'm not ready to go there with the Gators. Now, long term, I like the Gators under Billy Napier a lot. But if I had to pick second place, I'd do Tennessee. And I tell you what, don't, don't sleep on Kentucky. Right. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you, you know, with Will Levis back, now they'll, now they'll miss the wide receiver, Wandale Rondale, Wand, Robinson. There's no question. Now they get Tavion Robinson. Yeah, so – how, yeah, so we, how that works out. But uh, right now, if I have to pick, I'm going to pick Tennessee second in the East. What about in the West? I know it's stupid to, to say this because it's like, yeah, who's going to knock off Bama? Nobody ever does, but right. it, who's the biggest threat to them? I think the, from a talent standpoint and a roster standpoint, it's got to be Texas A&M. Uh, now, does Haynes King come back off of injury? He, is he's the guy? Here's what people forgot about Texas A&M last year. Zach Calzada played the game of his life against Alabama. Right. He never played that well before. I call it the Steven Garcia game. <laughs> it really he, had is. His, he had his Steven Garcia game. Yeah. He never played that well before and never played that well afterward. And, oh, by the way, now he's at Auburn. Yeah. He's not even at Texas A&M. So does Haynes King come in and give them what they need at quarterback? If so, defensively, they're very good. So if King gives them some good quarterback play, uh, they'll certainly miss Spiller. I mean, Isaiah Spiller was – yeah, great football player, but I would pick right now Texas A and M too. Yeah, A Shane is is just as good, and when he gets in that breakaway, yeah. you know, breakaway speed in the open field, he's incredible. Greg Sankey was sitting here with you moments ago. If Greg Sankey came to you and said, "Tony, let me get you for a quick minute. Need your opinion. We want to add two more teams to the SEC down the road. Who would yep. you recommend?" Well, I, I think from a from a football standpoint, from a football standpoint, I would add Clemson and Florida State, uh, but. That honestly, if we're going to be honest about it, that's not what the powers that be are looking at. They're looking at eyeballs on TV sets. What, where, where are the markets that we would expand to? And that's when I think you have to look at uh, maybe schools like North Carolina, uh, great, 
you know, got the Raleigh, Durham, Charlotte TV base, Greensboro North, Winston Salem, Greensboro TV TV base, and I think you'd have to look at that from, a, from just from a football standpoint. Those two programs have won national championships, right? But uh, I think I would add, I would add North Carolina would be one of the schools I try to add. It, it is a, it is a contiguous state yeah. to South Carolina, and I would certainly think about them. I've always said West, the West Virginia fan base would fit in the SEC. I don't know if you're going to get a lot of eyeballs, and the football hasn't been great these well, past years, but they'd be fun. And 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 that's the thing is is what does while Clemson and South, uh, Clemson and Florida State have wonderful football programs. What do they bring that the SEC doesn't already have? Right. The SEC has the University of South Carolina in their footprint. They have the University of Florida in their footprint. Right. And so any any and it's about the money. You know, if you're going to bring in two more schools, if the if the goal for the SEC is to give their members a hundred million dollars a year, that's what the Big Ten wants to do. If that's the goal of the SEC, if you bring in two more teams, you got to generate two hundred million dollars because <laughs> nobody's going to take less money this year than they got last year right. simply to add teams. When they added Texas A and M and Missouri, they were thinking about the, the Texas market and they were thinking about the St. Louis market. Those are markets they did not have that they were able to add to the SEC. The thing I always think about, that I have a friend who told me, man, I'm sick of playing these, you know, playing Troy and playing uh, all mm-hmm. these, you know, these uh, middle-tier teams for our non-conference games. You know, let's, let's beef up this schedule. And I'm going, if you keep making the conference stronger with Blue Bloods, like, it, someone has to lose. So That's true. With Texas and Oklahoma coming in, when people ask me, who do you want to add, I go, give me, like, Wake Forest and Virginia. Like, give me teams <laughs> that I think I can beat. Like, you go ahead, Clemson. Like, you're, you're making it tougher on yourself. It is a provable fact that 50% of the teams that play on Saturday lose. <laughs> I don't think you can deny that. And it, it is – that's why it's a challenge. Cause if, but if you had to add those two teams, then you don't expand. Right, because they don't bring the value financially yeah. that those other t- just just don't expand. And I think the SEC is fine with sixteen. They, I mean, and look, they are. They're going to figure out a way to do how we're going to. Is it three permanent and the rest yeah. we mix it up? Whatever, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out, and and probably I'm not sure that you can make that decision until you tell me what the playoffs going to look like. All right. Are you going to stay at four? If you stay at four, then I don't want to go to nine conference games. Right. If you're going to go to twelve, the coaches have said. You can upgrade the schedule. We understand that. But give us a playoff where we've got a chance to get in with two losses. That's the key. Because you're not going to make it – you're not going to give yourself less access to the playoffs. So. He is the great Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. One more time, uh, the Dodd Trophy. Folks want to learn more, they can uh, check it out, thedodtrophy.com, right? Absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity to talk about the Dodd Trophy. Tony, thanks so much for the time, man. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Our thanks again to Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow as we are back to five days a week here on Locked On SEC. So join us every day, getting caught up on all the latest news going on around the Southeastern Conference. I am Chris Gordy. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Now you can make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts across the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, here we're talking all things SEC. You can get... uh, your fix of just about every SEC school from Locked on Bama to Locked on Razorbacks to Locked on LSU. We got you covered just about every SEC school with a podcast for you. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. Talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC.